Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of TOJ Live. I'm your host, Stephen Russo. Doing a little different today. Uh, Stephen Zance, my co-host, is actually in Italy with his lovely girlfriend, Chelsea. So... I'm going to go solo today, uh, just kind of recap the last like three weeks or so of uh, of Jets activity since we last talked. I think the last episode that we did was right after the trade for Aaron Rodgers was completed, which I know that we're all excited about. So kind of talk, uh, I'm going to talk Rodgers, I'm going to talk the draft, uh, going to talk some of the signings, uh, impending signings, and then we'll uh, we'll finish up with the schedule. But overall... Um, I wanted to start with Rodgers and just kind of what I thought of the press conference um, and the interviews that he did after. I just thought everything ultimately was really, really well done uh, by the Jets and by Rodgers. Um, I thought the press conference was handled very well. I thought every interview that he did uh, after that uh, with Janae Coakley on the Michael K show, I thought was done extremely well. Um I know this has us all extremely excited and extremely giddy, so it's kind of hard to see anything bad that's uh, that's gone on with Aaron uh, and the Jets since then, um, really. But I just, I really, as objectively speaking as as you can be, um, I think that he did and the Jets did a really good job. I will say though that the uh, probably the two most awkward moments uh, involve Woody Johnson, which one was at the start of the press conference when they. Uh, handed it over to Rogers and he kind of made that comment about, I thought Woody was going to come shake my hand. I thought that was a little weird um, as well as when they interviewed Woody, when Janae Coakley interviewed Woody um, and mentioned, you know, getting a future hall of famer and Woody felt the need to correct her by saying, you know, potential hall of famer, which is just odd to me um, because I think there's no doubt in anyone's mind that Rogers ultimately is going to be a hall of famer. I think um, that is, is, is definitely for certain, but overall, like I said, I feel like uh, everything that Rogers and the jets did um, post-trade press conference, everything um, was very well done. And, and I especially liked his spot on the Michael K show. Um, I thought he answered every question very well. Um, I'd like to highlight the fact that he said, you know, I don't know about slaying the dragon. We want to be the dragon. I thought that was uh, powerful. I thought it was well done. Um, I thought that he answered all the questions openly, uh, honestly. And honestly, man, I think, you know, we're, I'm extremely excited to have him in house and seeing all the videos, um, him throwing to Lazard, him throwing to Garrett Wilson, him talking to the younger guys, him participating in these drills. I just think as a fan base, we couldn't be more excited. And kind of to put a, a, a cap on that, I just think that a class move by Aaron Rodgers um, going to number eight and saying that, listen, number 12 is Joe Willie and only Joe Willie. Um, I just thought that was a uh, really a, a, a nice job and a class move by him. So Overall, you know, like I said, uh, I think everybody in Jets land is extremely excited about having Aaron as our quarterback and the season can't come soon enough. So we're all uh, amped up for that. So we'll switch gears and we'll move over to the draft. So like I said, the last episode we did was about three weeks ago um, as the Aaron trade broke. And that was uh, the Monday, I believe, before the draft. So I still haven't talked about the draft. Neither has uh, 
has Steven Zance. But overall, I thought um, it was okay. I think coming off of last year's draft, in which they obviously got the uh, offensive and defensive rookie of the year, um, and Brees Hall, who, if he stayed healthy, probably would have been the offensive rookie of the year. It's kind of easy to have a letdown draft. Um, Let's start with the first round pick, Will McDonald. I think it caught everybody by surprise, including myself. Um, I've self-admittedly am not, you know, the the biggest draft guy. I kind of rely on the likes of, you know, the experts, uh, specifically Connor Rogers, when it comes to prospects um, and the draft, specifically ones that um, the Jets are interested in or could be, you know, potential Jets. Um, So this one, the, the Will McDonald pick caught me off guard. And it felt like it the, it caught the Jets off guard a little bit too um, when Broderick Jones went 14 right in front of them. So what I will say is that I like the pick of Will McDonald. I like what he brings to the table. I like the speed off the edge. I like adding an additional edge. Um, I like his ability to get to the passer, the bend that he has. Uh, and I especially like his ability to force fumbles, which – especially towards the back half of the year, the Jets really struggled to get turnover. So I like this idea. I think there's two downfalls uh, that I can point to in regards to this pick specifically. One is, you know, a lot of people I think say that they could have had him in the latter half of the draft or the latter half of the first round, excuse me. So for them to take him at 15, um, you know, maybe was a bit of a reach when they could have traded back. Now, No one's in the war room. No one knows what calls uh, Joe Douglas is taking. No one knows what's really on the table. So that's hard to say in a vacuum. It seems like it would be easy to, you know, trade back to 24, 25, whatever it may be, you know, recoup some extra draft capital and still select the guy that you ultimately wanted that you ultimately got. Um, But we all know it's not that simple. So that's one of the, I'd say downfalls. The other is I, (laughs) I do like the pick. I think it's um, it's smart for now and for the future, knowing that Carl Lawson's probably not long for this team. However, with the current state of the roster, I think we can all agree that we really love Bryce Huff, and he was arguably the Jets' best edge rusher last year. But the biggest uh, complaint that we all had was that he wasn't on the field enough. And, you know, he had, like, the best pass 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 rush win rate excuse me um of any def- of any uh edge last year but he his snaps were extremely limited so when you have him in the mix you have Jermaine Johnson who we're expecting to take the next big leap you have Carl Lawson who is returning and supposedly fully healthy now and then you add Will McDonald I mean I love the fact that you know you can never have too many edge rushers and it's something that the Jets have yearned for for quite some time however I think that the the snap count and where these are going to get dispersed is kind of the question mark that comes into my brain is if if we love Bryce Huff and we were begging for him to get on the field and he didn't get on the field enough, then how does Will McDonald kind of fit in into that pie um, when you talk about, you know, snap counts? And I know, you know, we've talked ad nauseum uh, how Robert Sala likes to ro- rotate the defensive line keep them fresh. I just wonder how that's going to shake out. And that's, you know, it's a potential gripe. We'll see. Um, We'll see how they work it. Uh, But I do, you know, they're going to have a formidable defensive line. I just wonder kind of how they're going to, uh, you know, fit the, this playing time together to, uh, to accommodate all the talent that they do have both inside and outside. So um, that's really, you know, I do, like I said, 
overall, I like the pick. I like getting an edge. I like getting a guy with speed that can get to the quarterback and force fumbles. Um, just kind of wondering how ultimately it'll it'll shake out from a playing time standpoint. Uh, second round, Joe Tittman. Obviously, uh, love the Jets getting a center, you know, relatively early on. Um, love that they're addressing this. I think he's got a legitimate uh, shot to start over Connor McGovern, especially considering what the deal for Connor McGovern was. Um, I think they got him around like 1.7 million, which is uh, an extreme bargain. But overall, what I think you're starting to see is you like the depth on the offensive line that the Jets brass has built now. And if things shake out the right way, you know, this could be a good to above, you know, above average to good offensive line, really. So Joe Tipman, the pick, you know, I think it came down to him and JMS, who a lot of people like JMS just because he has a higher floor. Um, I think the concerns around Joe Tipman really are the injury to both shoulders and the height thing. I know he's 6'6", which is kind of tall for a center, but the draw there is the mobility. And I go back, you know, I love my Jets nostalgia, but I go back to uh, when they signed Kevin Mawai in 98 um, out of Tennessee or maybe it was Houston at the time, but I think it was Tennessee right, right around there. Um, you know, one of the biggest draws to him was his mobility. And he kind of, at the time, it was, it was unheard of for centers to move and pull the way that he did. So for Tippmann to have this kind of speed um, to get to the second level and, and to pull and to, you know, block uh, in the second level for, uh, for the, you know, formidable run game that the Jets expect to have, I think was that was the biggest draw probably for them. So I do like the pick. Um, I think he can come in and be a day one starter. Um, I love the fact that they just address center and they, uh, you know, they did it early um, instead of kind of kicking the can down the road a little bit like we've seen in, in the past. Because I think obviously from from what, 98 to 2015, 2016, uh, that string from Mawai to Nick Mangold was, you know, the Jets were blessed. And, uh, you know, since then, it's really been kind of a, uh, a turnstile there at center where, you know, they've, they've done some different things, had some free agents that didn't really pan out. You know, I go back to uh, Spencer Long, I believe, who couldn't snap the ball to Sam Darnold. They kicked him to guard, got Jonathan Harrison in there. It was a, it's been a mess, honestly. And I think McGovern's been a serviceable starter um, for the past few years. So I'm glad they have him back, whether it's going to be to start initially or as just a depth piece. But I think depth on the offensive line is key, especially considering how bad the injuries were uh, towards the end of last season. And I know, again, how much emphasis Robert Sala put on that uh, when kind of talking about you know, where the, the blame gets shouldered for the, uh, the tailspin in, in 2022 to, down the back, uh, you know, the last six games really, and, and how much he thinks that the injuries to the offensive line really attributed to that. So um, I do like the fact that they, uh, they went and got their center there in uh, early in round two at, at pick 43. So moving forward, they go Carter Warren, uh, an offensive tackle out of pit. Uh, again, another depth move and a guy with uh, with tremendous starting experience and some injury history. So, you know, you, you kind of see um, where they're going, where this guy, I think, could have gone higher had he not been hurt uh, all of well, most of 2022. I want to say he started four games, but I do like the pick. Um, I, you know. I like the fact that they're getting guys that have played meaningful snaps. I think, you know, it's kind of a replica of Max Mitchell where you get guys with, with starting a lot of starting, a lot of game experience in college. And if you get um, injured uh, at the tackle position, when you have a 38 year old Dwayne Brown and a obviously uh, injury riddled Makai Becton on the other side, you know, you kind of expect those injuries to happen. So the fact that they get uh, guys that can probably come in, and play either side of the O-line uh, and fill in. Um, I think that's a, that's a good sign. And that's a good way to address uh, 
address the depth. Um, I think, you know, arguably my favorite pick is probably the next one where they get Izzy Abanacanda in round five. Uh, what I really like about this pick is I go back to the 2020 season, which we all probably want to forget uh, as soon as we possibly can. But to start the year, the Jets had um, Le'Veon Bell. They signed Frank Gore for whatever reason, because he knew Gase's system, which we all hate. Um, but then they drafted LaMichael P. Ryan. And I remember sitting there thinking that and, and listening to Connor Rogers uh, about it where, and he was absolutely right, where all three of them were kind of redundant backs. Like they all had the same skill set. There was no differentiators between the three, really. They were all, none of them were home run hitters. None of them were speed guys. Um, you know, they were all, you know, I mean, Le'Veon kind of had a style of his own where he was, you know, extremely patient back and he may, you know, lose two or three yards here, but the patience will, you know, will get him six yards when he shouldn't have gotten one. Uh, but Frank Gore and the Michael P. Ryan were very, you know, were the same. So it's like, where's the differentiator and what are you really getting for that? And that was the problem. So fast forward to 2023 in this draft, and this is where I like um, Izzy Abanikin. I mean, this guy is a speedster, a potential home run hitter every time he touches the ball. It seems like, you know, from the highlights I've watched and from what I've heard, this is a, you know, one cut and gone guy, which I just, I love. I love that 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 will balance out Brees Hall. I think Brees obviously has that home run potential, but he's more of a physical you know, dominant style runner. Uh, obviously, he's a dual threat. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, as we saw in 2022 in the early parts before he got hurt. Um, and he's obviously, he can be a speed guy once he gets to that second level and, and bust games open. But I think Izzy kind of shows more of that speed and more of that burst and more of that ability to be a game breaker and a guy that could, you know, take one to the house for 80 yards. So I love that they got a differentiator there. And I wonder... Uh, really what that spells for the running back room and could Michael Carter kind of be on the outside looking in as training camp rolls around and they see, you know, kind of what they have. So it's really a lot of it's going to be contingent upon Brees Hall and his health. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see because you got Bam Knight, you got Brees, you got Izzy now, and you got Michael Carter. Um, I don't know if they're going to carry four backs, uh, you know, because Ty Johnson signed and then he's gone. So we'll see, you know, kind of how that plays out. But that's one thing to keep an eye on. But ultimately, the Izzy pick, um, you know, I do really like just because he brings that kind of added dimension of speed, um, which is exactly what you want. And so you get a guy, you know, in the fifth round from Pitt, uh, shades of Curtis Martin there, um, but a guy that's different and can uh, can do some different things that'll bring some diversity to the backfield, which is great. So, you know, the last three, Zaire Barnes, a linebacker out of Western Kentucky, uh, Jarek Bernard Converse, the DB out of LSU, and Zach Koontz, the tight end from Old Dominion. You know, I like these. These, these are dart throws. I think Zaire Barnes, you know, probably a special teams contributor. I know a lot of people have said that. So, you know, you get depth there. Um, you know, We'll, we'll see what happens. I don't expect him to contribute too much uh, on defense this year. Uh, the converse from, from LSU, I think he, you know, probably is one of those hybrid uh, safety converts. So, you know, that's what Sala seems to like, um, you know, there. I wonder what they're going to do at safety. I still think they haven't really done enough. But it sounds like at least now they'll they're kind of standing pat there with uh, with Whitehead and Chuck Clark. Uh, you know, you throw Con Bernard Converse in the mix, uh, as well as Ashton Davis, who's still somehow um, hanging around. You know, that's it's uh, we'll see what happens. But I still think they're they're pro and Tony Adams. I, I can't forget to mention Tony Adams. I still think they're probably um, comfortable uh, with that group and, and banking on Chuck Clark, who I do think is a better player. Um 
than LaMarcus Joyner. So I think there's an upgrade there, but I worry about the depth. Um, and I, I still, I just worry about Ashton Davis because I, I just don't know what they've seen uh, in him through his first three years in the league. I really just don't, I don't see it. Uh, and then the last pick was, was Zach Koontz, who's obviously an athletic freak, um, but a guy that you, you know, you bank on traits and you, you take a dart throw in the seventh round and you hope that, uh, that maybe ultimately he can turn into something. Maybe he gets some spot time and red zone plays this year if he's ever active, but that tight end room is crowded. Um, and with some rumors about the Jets adding Mercedes Lewis too, who that, you know, that could still happen. Um, I just wonder what that's going to look like as well, but you got to feel comfortable right now with the Jets tight end room, the way that it is, you got Uzama and Tyler Conklin, who, both should take tremendous steps forward now with the addition of Aaron Rodgers. You got Jeremy Ruckert, who I think is poised to play a more prominent role. Um, you wonder if they kind of use him as a H-back type deal, uh, lead blocker, you know, type guy. Um, but I think he's primed to take a little at least a little bit of a step forward because his his contributions were very minimal in 2022 in his rookie year. And then you add Koontz to the mix, who obviously is an athletic freak. I think he's like 6'7 or 6'8, runs a crazy 40, you know, all that good stuff. I don't know, you know, all the numbers that go along with it. But ultimately, um, I like the dart throws in the last, you know, last two rounds uh, and six and seven. We'll see if these guys actually become contributors, um, but ultimately how it shakes out, you know, it, it's pointless to grab or to, to, to grade a draft, um, you know, immediately after. I, I think if you're to throw a, a, you know, a letter grade on it, is it a, a B minus, a C plus, whatever, we'll see. Um, the Will McDonald pick, I think, will determine really the the success of this draft and kind of shades of Brian Thomas uh, from 2002, um, you know, which was like nobody really knew who he was. The Jets had drafted John Abraham two years earlier. They're like, why are we taking this guy from UAB who no one's ever heard of? He's just, uh, you know, he's another uh, edge or D end. Uh, that was really before edge was kind of a thing. Um, we just had John Abraham, you know, what's he going to do? But, any, you know, Brian Thomas ends up being a solid 10 year starter um for the jets i mean he never wowed in the numbers or stats department but ultimately he was a a solid starter for this team i think until 2011 or 2012 which that's nothing to scoff at you know a guy that can that can do that and you know at the time set the edge in a 3-4 defense um you know that's pretty good so if you ultimately if you if you get that out of your your number one pick i think that's good but really i think all of us are kind of hoping for will mcdonald to be um obviously a bigger impact than uh especially in the stats department and the sack department than than what brian thomas ended up being but just kind of reminded me of that a little bit uh next we'll shift gears and we'll talk about kind of some of the uh signings or impending signings um the jets finally make it official with al woods which i think is great um obviously an older guy i think he's 36 but he's kind of that big uh run stuffing plug the hole guy at uh, at 63330 so you get him from seattle um you couple him with quentin jefferson uh they still have um solomon thomas there which you know Great guy, but uh, really should be low man on the on the totem pole when it comes to that defensive line. And then you, you pair him with Quinn and Williams um, on the inside, which I just think is, uh, you know, we'll see how things kind of rotate with JFM and maybe Michael Clemens kicking inside. But that D-line room overall is very crowded. Uh, again, another one that's going to be interesting. I know, uh, I know I mentioned earlier, and we've mentioned plenty on the show, that Salah likes to rotate his guys. But this is... Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, that leads me to the next point and, and Quinnen and the, and the contract. Um, you know, I'm not fretting over this. I know Robert Sala was on the Rich Eisen show and he was not fretting over this. He, you know, this is Joe Douglas's department. He always says that, but a deal is going to get done. 
Um, so I'm not worried about it. I really, I, I think the Jets have too much going in their favor. The vibes are too good right now for Joe Douglas to let this slip or go to training camp or become a problem or a distraction um, to have this impact the team, the fan base, and the 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 really the good juju that's kind of going on with the team right now. I think it nets out. It'll be a four-year deal for just over a hundred million dollars. Um, I think the guarantees will eclipse, you know, the other defensive tackles that have signed uh, extensions thus far. I think that Quinnen is worth every penny. I think that he has been a good, solid starter for his first three years in the league and his fourth year, he obviously took that jump and was dominant uh, and, and really the best player um, probably on the team, but without a doubt on the defensive side of the football. So I think he's an integral piece. I think you need that. You need that pressure from the inside and with the additions uh, addition, really the jets have made on the edge coupled with, you know, kind of the next step that we hope Jermaine Johnson takes and the uh, return to full health of Carl Lawson. I think they really do have a chance to be one of the top, you know, three, five defensive lines in football, if not the best. Uh, So when you couple that with, um, you know, the job that the back end did last year, I think that has a chance to be a really good defense. So, you know, my thoughts overall, uh, you know what, I'll go with, uh, we'll we'll move next to Quan uh, Alexander and if the Jets are going to re-sign him, I think. You know, they obviously let him test the market, uh, still remains unsigned. I would like for them to bring him back. I don't know if they're going to. I think it's kind of, you would look into it a little bit, maybe too much. Uh, they gave, they, they showed the numbers uh, on social media and Greg Zerline took number nine, which who knows that spell the ending for Quan Alexander. I don't know. We don't know. Let's uh, let's see what happens, but I would like them to bring him back uh, just because I think he was a really good piece last year. I still, I'm not, crazy about this linebacking core I really do like CJ Mosley I think he is kind of the glue that holds it all together on defense but again he's another year older um so we'll see really what happens here I think you bring back Quincy Williams who we like Quincy I think we know what he is I think he he can you know he brings thunder uh he he can really defend the run. I think he struggles in, in, in pass coverage a little bit. I think he probably has, should have a better nose for the ball than what he does, especially after being a starter really for two years. Um, but that linebacking core is a question mark really. And I think, you know, Quan Alexander, I, I think would bring some stability uh, to that. And I think that's probably the one thing really with that group is the one question mark where we can really kind of uh, judge Sala a little bit, um, unfairly I should I shouldn't say judge him unfairly I guess what I should say is that um, we can say he hasn't done the greatest job because I think those two guys that they drafted uh, Nasruddin and Sherwood the safety uh, converted to linebackers I don't think he's done great with them I thought they I think they should have been contributors already so maybe I'm wrong and maybe that Sherwood is is penciled in as a starter and maybe they're uh, a believer that he can take that leap and and jump into the starting lineup and that's why this Quan thing is kind of going so long uh, or not happening. Um, However, I do think just, you know, looking from my perspective and probably a lot of fans perspectives, I do think that uh, bringing Quan back would be a smart move, um, you know, on, you know, relatively fair money. I don't think he's going to break the bank, but I do think getting him in would be, uh, would be a smart play for this Jets team. This Jets defense. I do. I fear I've, I've been pretty vocal about that on the show. I fear a step backwards for this defense just because, 
you know, they remained so healthy last year that that's not going to happen two years in a row. It's just the law of averages. Um, they really, they didn't suffer a significant injury uh, to a significant player really across the board. I want to say Quinn and Williams missed one game. Um, you know, and we saw the impact of that. So, you know, I, you can't expect them to just have the year that they did last year. But on the flip side, you know, with an improved offense, you know, they won't be carrying the burden the way that they did uh, last year. They, they they won't have to. So that could spell some, you know, some more success. But I do, I worry about the way that teams attack the middle of the field down the stretch last year. The Jets, I don't think, forced a turnover, I want to say, since the Chicago game, which was even that, you know, that, that was a blowout. It was a 31-10 blowout, but I think – CJ Mosley got a pick uh, late in that game and that was really it. And I don't think they'd forced a turnover in the last six, which is a problem. I mean, they started off hot, even though they can't fall on a fumble, they can never fall on a fumble, but they started off hot with turnovers and they were routinely turning, uh, turning teams over and down the stretch, they really didn't. And that was part of the problem. They couldn't, um, they needed a spark, you know, especially from that defensive side of the ball uh, because the offense was struggling so bad and the, and the defense really couldn't provide it. They were playing well, they were holding teams to, you know, minimal points in games that you should be close in. Uh, ultimately, the uh, the offense couldn't, you know, pick up the slack uh, at all, really. But uh, the defense did their job. However, they really didn't. They couldn't force turnover. So, you know, to expect the Jets to be a top 10 defense, I do. I, I can see that. But to be top five the way that they were in 2022, um, I don't know if that's realistic just because of the, the health um, luck that their team had last year, um, you know. I'm just not sure that we can fully bank on that for 2023. So that's, those are my concerns. And I, I, you know, generally I'm a positive uh, Jets thinker. I think those listeners of the show will know that. However, I do just feel like, um, you know, a step backwards for this defense is probably something that we can all expect, which is fine because you think that with, you know, Aaron Rodgers at the helm, which is really the one big question mark that the Jets had in 2022 was the quarterback position you can expect a big step forward from this offense. So hopefully that'll take the burden off the defense and the team itself will just be better. All right, next. And, uh, and lastly, as I uh, look to wrap with the schedule, uh, man, this is going to be a fun one as the uh, old guy, father of three uh, that I am, I am excited for the primetime games, but man, sometimes I like my just Sunday one o'clock games just so I can, uh, you know, get to bed at a decent time and not have to stress out for a full day about it. But, uh, you know, the Jets open up on Monday night against Buffalo. I think um, that's going to be a fun one. I am glad that's at home. Um, you know, I think back to the far year and really the Jets team kind of hit their stride, you know, right around mid-October, just because Favre coming in, there were some growing pains, you know, learning a new offense, uh, this, that, and the other thing. And, and they obviously had that stretch to get them to eight and three cap by, you know, beating an undefeated at the time Titans team, which was just awesome. And then, you know, Favre's shoulder gets hurt and, you know, the team, the, the team falls off the rails. Uh, they win one in their last five games, ultimately fall short and, and miss the playoffs. And then the rest is history. I think this is obviously different because of Aaron Rodgers and the familiarity with Paul Hackett uh, and his offense. Now, that being said, it's not new to Aaron Rodgers, but it is going to be new to the entire Jets offense. So that's going to have obviously a learning curve, but hopefully Aaron Rodgers can mitigate some of that by being the you know, teacher in the room and the veteran quarterback the Jets really haven't had since 2008 and Brett Favre. So you hope that this early season, you know, quote unquote gauntlet um, that the Jets are going through isn't really uh, 
a gauntlet in terms of what we're normally thinking. You know, last year, I remember we were sitting there saying, you know, if the Jets can get out of their first date and they're three and five or four and four, then, you know, we're going to be in really good shape. Well, here's the deal. I think a lot of these teams are looking at the Jets and their schedule and saying, you know, that's going to be a tough game. And they probably got that one circled as, oh man, this could be a loss. So I think, you know, you break the season down into quarters. The Jets start Monday night against Buffalo. They go at Dallas, they go home for uh, New England and then home for Sunday night against uh, against the Chiefs in the first of October. So if you break it down in the quarters that the Jets can somehow make it out of there two and two, three and one, that's obviously a win. Um, I think, you know, the Buffalo game, listen, the Jets competed. They, they beat Buffalo at home last year with Zach Wilson at quarterback and they competed with Buffalo in Buffalo with Mike White and his broken ribs uh, at quarterback as well. And they had, you know, chances to win that game. So you see, you know, what could happen here now, Buffalo, they came out like a buzzsaw last year against LA. So who knows that could happen again, but these division games are always, uh, they're always competitive. The Jets seem to always play Buffalo tough. Um, so the excitement um, is going to be there obviously with Aaron Rodgers and his first start on Monday night at home in front of a, uh, a revved up MetLife crowd is going to be fun. But next uh, the Jets go to Denver which is always a tough place to play. You don't know what's what Sean Payton's going to bring. You don't know what Russell Wilson uh, is going to be with Sean Payton at the helm. So always a tough place to play, but you got to figure the Jets should be uh, in good shape to win that game. Then home versus the Eagles the next week uh, on my birthday, October 15th. Um, Jets have never beaten the Eagles, but with Aaron Rodgers, you got a shot in every game. Uh, Eagles are, are tough. They're obviously uh, the NFC representative of the Super Bowl last year and have only made improvements this year, but I will say that every, you know, there's always weird things that happen every year and injuries are, you know, they, they play a huge part and you never know. There's always teams that are destined for greatness that fall. There's always teams that you don't think are going to be anything that end up being, you know, uh, true contenders uh, in either conference. So we'll see what happens. Um, you get the bye week next and then you get at the Giants on October 29th, which, you know, in all reality is really a home game, which I think is a big thing for this Jets team. Um is that they really, in essence, have 10 home games, considering that they're away uh, at the Giants, which is obviously at MetLife. So I think the Giants are are kind of, you know, primed for a bit of a fall this year. I, I don't see them kind of catching lightning in a bottle the way that they did in 2022, but I could be wrong. Um, but really, you know, what you look at for that first stretch of the schedule is there's really not much travel um, at all. You go at uh, Dallas, at Denver, um, everything else is home. And then you're at, you know, the Giants, which is really a home game. You come back for a Monday nighter against the Chargers who traveling west to east uh, typically struggle. Um, so that's a good sign. You, you know, you fear Herbert because he obviously has all the talent in the world to uh, to to break you. But ultimately, you know, they, they haven't been much. And especially you question Brandon Steele a little bit and what he's done so far. Um, going, uh, then next is Sunday night at the Raiders. I think that one tees up nicely for the jets. Um, the Raiders on a team that really scares me. Uh, I think Connor, Connor Rogers made a good point about, you know, you get them a little bit later in the year. I want to say it looks like it's week 10. Um, so chances are that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be hurt for that game, but I think the jets match up with the Raiders. Well, and then you go at Buffalo and versus Miami for that, uh, black Friday primetime spot. So that's probably, Two division games against obviously two tough division opponents in a what five day span. Um, you're at Buffalo 425 and then uh home from Miami. Now, Buffalo's not a crazy uh travel destination, but 
that quick turnaround for two division games, you know, that's probably the toughest stretch, toughest part of their schedule right there, which if you're saying that honestly, isn't even that bad. Um, then you, you're really home for kind of the, or you're, you're, you know, coming down the stretch, I should say, uh, for the softest part of the schedule. And I know that last year we looked at the last, you know, five, six games we're like, oh, well, you know, the Jets start out tough, but they finish easy. Hopefully they can gain some momentum. So things always happen that are different. Um, but you know, you look at this and on paper, you got, uh, versus Atlanta, uh, on December 3rd, which, you know, Atlanta's an improved team, but they still have a question mark at quarterback. Um, you got versus Houston where, you know, they're going to have a rookie at quarterback. I don't think they have a very good team. I think the similarities between the, uh, 23 Texans and the 21 jets, uh, are uncanny. Uh, I think you'll kind of see the same really trajectory of that team. Um, you know, if, uh, uh, if Bryce Young pans out at quarterback, I'm sorry, CJ Stroud pans out at quarterback, uh, better than, uh, than Zach Wilson did. Then you're, you're, uh, at the dolphins home for the commanders on Christmas Eve at the Browns on a Thursday nighter and then at New England. So finishing with uh, three out of four away games, uh, tough, um, but going to Miami later as opposed to in September, I think is a good thing. So you don't have to deal with that heat. Um, getting the commanders at home on Christmas Eve, I think is a good thing. I don't think the commanders, you know, really with, with Sam Howell are going to be anything to write home about. So I think that's a good matchup there. Um, I think Cleveland is a, is a big question mark, you know, going there on Thursday night. That's, that's tough. Um, but I think we'll see, you know, really what Deshaun Watson is. Cause last year was, uh, it was weird for the Browns and there's, there's no question about that. I don't think there's any other way you can kind of phrase it. Um, but that's a team that the Jets should be. And then, you know, at New England, which I think you never discount Bill Belichick. Uh, I think a big test will be how the Jets handle the Patriots in week three, and that'll dictate their success. I mean, I don't think any of us want a win and in type scenario going into New England uh, to face Bill Belichick and the Pats on a week 18 um, spot. But, you know, ultimately I, I really, I see, you know, uh, anywhere from 11 and six to 13 and four. Um, like I said, if you kind of break this down into quarters um, I think there's a legitimate, you know, possibility for the Jets to kind of go two and two, three and one, three and one, five and all. Oh. Uh, honestly, and, and that gets into 13 and four. I think that's a little bit lofty. Um, 12 and five, 11 and six is probably more realistic, but I just like how the schedule breaks for them. I don't think it's that crazy. And I, I, I think as tough as these games are in the beginning of the schedule, I think that the, the Jets, you know, if, if Aaron Rodgers truly wants to be the dragon, you come out and win some of these games, you know, you win two or three of them. Um, and I think, you know, uh, Joe did a Badlands with uh, with Will Parkinson, and he kind of in jest, you know, went through uh, and said the Jets were going to go seventeen and zero. But yeah, that's obviously he's obviously joking. But I think he gave legitimate reasons for why the Jets can win um, every single one of these games. And I think having Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, you know, proves that. Now the Jets could very easily lose every one of these games, and you can give legitimate reasons as to why that would be. But I think that. You know, a seven and ten team last year that had the offensive and defensive rookie of the year, a top five defense, uh, clearly um, the ability to compete on offense with no quarterback. I think that gives you extreme hope for this year, and I really believe that the Jets should be uh, in the playoffs in twenty twenty three and and definitely contending for the uh, top spot in the AFC East. I, I really do believe that. I think it's a three team race between them. Uh, Buffalo and Miami. I think the Patriots are going to be on the bottom looking up. 
Um, I think the injury concerns with Tua are very real in Miami, and that's going to be um, really the reason that they either succeed or fail uh, is based on that. I'm not, you know, love Mike White, but not fearful of him as the uh, as the Dolphins quarterback. Um, I think Tua obviously is a, is a good quarterback when healthy, but he uh, he honestly doesn't scare me too much either. Um, the team speed overall that uh, that Miami. Uh, has down there that that does scare me but uh, when you're just solely looking at quarterbacks the one guy in the AFCs that really does scare me is Josh Allen he's the one guy that can do it all um, and, and he's the guy that you got to watch out for but I do ultimately see it as a uh, as a three-team race um, between the Jets Bills and Dolphins but that's where I kind of see it shaking out um, I think things that you can expect over the next couple of weeks, I think uh, you'll finally get that Quinn and deal. I think that'll come down. I don't think they're going to let it get the training camp. If they do, that becomes a real problem. Um, I also think that we're going to get the details on the Aaron Rodgers contract, which I know Connor Hughes kind of quieted down since the trade. Uh, but he was the, really the one that was saying, when you guys see the details of this, uh, of this uh, restructure and what the contract um, looks like, uh, all Jets fans are going to be extremely happy. Um, so I'm excited to see that. I hope that the, um, you know, everything kind of looks the way uh, that it should in, in Jets favor. And maybe that frees up some space for the Jets to make a move uh, or two, which I think Joe Douglas has proven that he, he typically does is, is looks for that, you know, June, July move before training camp to bring in a guy that, uh, that either adds depth or adds depth um, or is going to be, you know, a, a starter or spot starter. So um, that's going to wrap for me. I uh, appreciate this. My first solo show. I feel good. I got, uh, you know, got some things off my chest. was able to cover uh, the last three weeks here of, of Jets action, but I appreciate you guys tuning in, uh, listening. And uh, I'm sure Steven Zantz and I, uh, when he gets back from Italy, we'll be back on to talk some more things Jets. But uh, thanks as always. Be sure to uh, subscribe, rate, review uh, to us, uh, TOJ Live on uh Apple, Spotify, um, and then uh, don't forget to subscribe to Badlands as well. Joe and Connor just continue to uh, to pump out content. Um, the team over there uh, is doing a great job, and we got more written content, more pods, uh, war room videos, uh, all that good stuff. So don't forget to uh, you know make sure you become a Patreon. I know Joe's approaching, I want to say, 2,500 now. So thanks as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll see you next time.